we're tired of women talking to women about being harassed about all of the things we deal with because we know already. (laughs) And the conversation now needs to push out beyond that, in particular, our male counterparts. What is shaken? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am bringing in my girl, Jessie Zappo. She is a performance coach for Adidas Runners, as well as the founder of Girls Run NYC. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that right off the bat, I hate how relevant the topic of our conversation is today. I had Jessie come into the studio to record a couple of months ago. Shortly after we sat down for a forum panel discussion on runner safety here in New York, I had Jesse come in. We chatted one-on-one. And as this episode was slated to run this week, as I was editing this episode, I caught the news that a 26-year-old woman was shot during her run on Monday night, January 30th in Nashville, Tennessee. And I just sat here at my desk beside myself because it's like, you want to ask like, when is this going to stop? And the answer is there is no answer. When we had the conversation about runner safety back in 2022, it was shortly after the murder of Liza Fletcher. And Liza, as we say in this conversation, was not the first person to lose her life on a run and certainly not the last. And so in today's conversation, as I said, a little too relevant this week, we talk about a lot of things when it comes to runner safety. We talk about how the two of us as New Yorkers feel about running right now, both alone and in groups. We chat about how you can be more safe on the run and maybe tools that the both of us are using. We also address the topic of allyship and what it can look like for people to come together regardless of gender, women, men, non-binary folks, coming together to show up for one another on the run to make our communities safer. It's a timely discussion. It's an important discussion. And I'm so grateful for Jesse's time and truly insightful takes on how we can take care of one another on the run. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. If you want to chime in on this, if you have a listener question that you want to share, I'm all ears. The link to leave me a voice message and share a question is in the show notes. 
Also of note, I'll be hosting another panel discussion on runner safety the week of LA Marathon on March 15th. More details to come, but if you're local, save the date. And with that, let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Jesse Zappo. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Ooh, your voice sounds so nice on podcast. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you have a nice podcast voice? Um, Actually, no. Well, but I send voice notes to people and people like that. So, Oh, see? Okay. Well, Jesse, Jesse, is your full last name Zappo? It is not. So Zappo was my dad's nickname. It became kind of a family nickname. My childhood name is Jesse. When I got into my um, first career as an art therapist, I everyone knew me as Jessica Zapotechni, which is my full name. And then my little sister said, I'm going to make you a Facebook account. You should get on Facebook. And I said, okay, but I don't want my professional folks to find me on Facebook. I want to keep it separate. So I was like, let me use my childhood nickname, Jesse Zappo. And then that's where the running community found me and knew me as Jesse. Well, I'm glad to have you. <laughs> Whether we go full last name or, or partial last name, we are here today to talk or continue our conversation on runner safety. You know, for those of you that may be out of the loop, I hosted an event over New York City Marathon weekend, and Jesse was a part of that dialogue. And we chatted on runner safety, especially in the wake of events that have happened recently. Jesse herself is the Adidas Runners Performance Coach and Captain, and also the founder of an organization here called Girls Run NYC. And so because so many of you reached out to me and said that you wished that you could have been a part of that conversation or listened in on that conversation, I asked Jessie if she would do me the honor of joining me in the studio so we could kind of rap about it and talk about some of our takeaways, but also bring forth some of that information. I'd love it if you could give the hurdlers a little bit of information about you and your journey with running, because obviously it's not like one day you raised your hand and you said, I want to be the runner's performance coach for Adidas. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I think people reach out to me a lot and ask, like, how did how did you get to where you are? That's interesting. You're a woman, you're a performance coach, um, you, you know, work in the community space. It was not a linear path by any means. I think um, my journey definitely started. I was a teenager. Um, I ran track and field. I played volleyball. I had um, a sports affinity um, and background growing up. Also was one of eight children. So um, a lot of the time I was playing with my siblings and also had an, an interest in helping others. It's kind of always been um, a piece of my identity was um, volunteering or tutoring or, um, you know, always sort of thinking social justice minded. Um, so when it came time to think about college, I went to, I had a couple of different routes, um, like go play volleyball at a school or go to art school. I chose art school, um, which led me down a path towards art therapy. Um, I was working in actually a maximum security facility with young people outside of Detroit. 
and as a teaching artist. And so I just saw the importance of helping others. Um, I think I was kind of raised that way. And as I moved to New York, studied art therapy here, became an art therapist, um, but always had running as a thing I did for myself. I got into distance running when I was in my 20s, kind of for stress management, always ran alone until I was uh, bartending in the Nolita-ish Lower East Side area, kept running into this one particular person who was like, hey, do you want to come try my run group? And I think after like six months, I was like, all right, fine, I'll come try your run group. Um, and that turned out to be the New York City Bridge Runners in its infancy. I started out running with them and just loved the community aspect of being around other people who wanted to push themselves to be better, um, but that were also kind of like non-traditional runners. So I don't think I ever identified myself really as a runner, but had been running 10 years up to that point, right? Isn't that funny that people do that all the time? Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm a runner, but yet you go out three times a week and you have shoes that you specifically run in. It's just an identity. Yeah. An identity thing. Yeah. And it, I think even maybe, and that was like early 2000s, there was a very different way that people presented themselves in the world because this was pre-social media. So it was kind of hard to like give yourself a title. Like it felt like you had to earn something to have a title. So I think this idea of calling yourself a runner, you were like, can I call myself a runner? I didn't do X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and I feel like we've moved way beyond that at this point. And hopefully people who run can add that as part of their identity. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful to hopefully empower people an access point regardless of where they are on their journey. And I feel like this sentiment keeps coming up on the show lately, but that idea of in order to be her, you need to see her now on social media. We see runners of all types. Still, that doesn't mean, though, that runners of all types always feel welcomed in the running community right from the get-go. But I do believe that that at least empowers more individuals to call themselves a runner. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you were bartending. You say, fine, I'll try your run group. And suddenly you're running with bridge runners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, that was like, I don't know, 2004 or somewhere around then. Mm -hmm. um, I was still early 20s. Um, I thought three miles was a lot. And so I think I ran four miles like the first time I ever went with them. And there was that moment. I mean, that's an unforgettable moment for me, which was just like breaking the three mile barrier, which to me is a real thing. Three miles is always hard. So that was a moment where I saw that there was something more on the other side. And then I think I continued to chase that idea of something more um, with a group of people who were actually very supportive. Um, and it also happened to be a group that was running at night. And, you know, I worked in nightlife, so I wasn't getting up early to go run. That wasn't in my schedule. It wasn't really in my like ability at that time. Um, so to have a group that was meeting at seven or eight at night and running in the dark like I could do that because 
it was a group and it was a group of guys um, that I felt safe running with. And I think, you know, I mentioned it in on the panel because I was sitting next to coffee and he was talking about he loves running at midnight. And I think a couple of us women were like, oh, my God, wouldn't that be nice um, to be able to run at midnight as a woman and not have to worry about it? And it was being in that group that provided that access point for me where I didn't feel afraid because of having the men in the group who were supportive and protective. But it's not lost on me that there are certain doors that are shut <laughs> for folks um, because of our gender, because of our orientation. Um, yeah. Yeah. First things first. It's so interesting to hear you say that when you first started running, you were exclusively doing it alone, knowing that now today, how often would you say that you actually run alone? Honestly, it's pretty rare. Um, although I will be going into a training cycle in the off season right now, where a lot of those miles are probably going to be alone because my running buddy moved to LA. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so I, it's a little daunting. Yeah. Um, and it mean, it means I have to think about what my day looks like. I had that thought for the first time the other day as well. I haven't been running a lot since everything happened with Liza Fletcher and the people listening to this don't need me to tell them that obviously Liza is not the first runner to be injured, harassed. She was unfortunately kidnapped and murdered, but she's not the first and she won't be the last. And all of this makes me think about how I feel about running early in the morning, something that once gave me so much solace. And now the thought of it makes me truly pretty anxious. I think it's really unfortunate to keep having this conversation over year after year. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where what kind of got me to the point of where the focus of my energy is right now on the issue of um, safety, which is that it's not a women's issue. It's a human issue um, and getting to the root of why mm -hmm. and and really finding action oriented ways um, of approaching it because because we're going to keep having this conversation, right? Where we have a lot of power in the running community that we're already living, existing in is that we have people coming together across gender, ethnicity, um, orientation, and finding some common ground in running. And so it already is this like massive group of people who we could mobilize towards doing something positive. And I think we saw a lot of that, like, you know, in 2020, 2021, um, just the social change aspect of being able to bring folks in the running community together. And so I think this topic of women's safety, and not just women's safety, it's safety for people of color, for um, LGBT plus community, that that is something that people can rally around, um, that we could actually make some really positive change towards, but it's not going to it's not going to end like it's yeah. not going to end gender based violence. But I think the point is that we want to feel like we have some power to make some steps before we dive a little bit more into that. I want to bring up 
some statistics for us to work off of. So in a recent Runner's World survey, 84% of women noted that they'd been harassed while running. 70% of men have not. 25% of those surveyed said that they're regularly subjected to sexist comments or unwanted sexual advances. And one in five have felt more harassed since the first national lockdown. Also, let it be known that those that identify as BIPIC or LGBTQ are more likely to experience sexual harassment, sex-based discrimination, and sexual assault. How does hearing all that even make you feel? Uh, It makes me feel angry. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to guess that many people have been pushing that anger down for a long time just so that they can get themselves to get up and go out and run. Um, There was a woman actually at our panel who's towards the end was like, all of this, like, it's so frustrating. Like, how do how do we still feel hopeful to keep lacing up and going out and running? Like, it's it's really hard. And I think it's true. I think it's almost like this topic is opening up a Pandora's box because it's something we've been dealing with or deal with on a daily basis that you put away so that you can keep going out the door and going to work. You can keep putting your shoes on and running. You can sign up for another marathon and train for it. Um, and, you know, we're, we are fortunate we can keep doing that. Not everyone has had that experience. For some, it can be debilitating and it means they're not, they're not going out there and running. Right, right. And so this then brings us to that conversation of how we can move forward despite at times being so crippled. And that for you with your work at Adidas Runners has really become a conversation about allyship. So why don't we dive in there? Why don't you tell me a little bit about what allyship looks like in the case of gender-based violence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to to rewind a little bit to 2021, there was a professional athlete who ran for Adidas. Her name was Agnes Tierop. Um, she broke the world record in the 10K at this race called Road to Records. She was a Kenyan athlete, um, young at the beginning of her career, And several of her fellow athletes also raced for Adidas. Um, She was murdered a few months later after winning um, the world record and by her partner. Um, So it was a domestic violence um, incident. And when that happened, I think, you know, I'm as a an athlete who works for Adidas, um, but just on a different end in the community aspect. It shook up the community within Adidas because they were like, it felt really close to home. And so that sparked a conversation amongst all of the women coaches and captains who were within Adidas runners globally around um, gender-based violence. And once, once you start the conversation, you begin to hear more and more and more stories of incidences. Um, So the initiative that we we basically came towards was we're tired of women talking to women about 
being harassed about all of the things we deal with because we know already. (laughs) And um, I think that we felt the conversation now needs to push out beyond that, in particular, um, our male counterparts. And then when that conversation started happening, people were like, yeah, they started sharing um, things like, oh, as a women coach, you know, some of my male counterparts don't like support me and they don't support my voice. And so like athletes don't listen to me. And they, it just started this whole other conversation around like the support from male um, or non-women counterparts within our own communities um, and how that was happening really great in some places um, and then not as great in others. Um, and so we kind of started from there with this initiative and it's called With Women We Run. And the idea is one, sort of identifying the issues. Um, and I think, you know, wh- where gender-based violence comes from um, or violence against others is is often someone feeling that someone else is lesser than um, or that societally people are lesser than and, or othered. Um, and so it's a deep issue, um, but the idea around creating allyship, whether it's for our BIPOC um, community members or LGBTQ community members or women, um, that it's standing alongside someone and saying like they actually deserve equal or more uh, support and representation at this time. And so I think it's has started with conversations. Um, it started with people sharing personal stories and then listening. And then I think the goal is to go further from there, which is like also understanding like what are some of the issues that women are facing on a daily basis or what are some of the ways that our counterparts are maybe contributing to those issues or they're not contributing to a solution. We're still in the beginning of it, but to me, it feels like the type of work that is going to need to happen for longer change and lasting change um, versus other things that we already have to do, which is like take self-defense courses or carry mace or carry a birdie or tell people where you're running. Like there's all these practical things that like we should do and we know we have to do. Um, And it's important to identify those. So we're also like helping other women um, create safe practices around running. But like that's only one layer. And I think the deeper layer is, okay. outside of that, what are what are our male coaches doing? within our communities to make a safe space? You know, what type of behavior maybe goes unchecked, um, even within our own groups? And for me, as a a woman who's leading a community, a lot of times it also feels not great to be the one that's like calling out behavior that's bad because I'm like, okay, um, then you're also, you're continuing to put me in this like space of being the mother or being, you know, whatever. Um, and that's not solving the problem. And so it's been really cool to have these conversations with other men who are like, yeah, I stand, I stand next to you. And like, I'm going to call out that behavior. Um, like I'm going to make sure 
I'm not contributing to it because I'm more aware of what you're going through. It's about that time in the episode where I thank the good people that make this content possible. A huge thanks today to my friends at Bandit Running. If you've been with me for a while, then you know that Bandit is truly one of my staples for running gear. Actually started by a friend of mine here in Brooklyn. I cannot get enough of their new winter collection with their soft speed fabric system. So let me tell you a little bit about soft speed, soft speed, the leggings, the quarter zip, even the headband. It is so soft. The inside of soft speed, it's peached and feels like a warm hug on your skin. And the outside makes it even better. It's smooth and sleek, and it just hugs my body in all of the right places. I just had coffee the other day with Ardith Singh. She is one of Bandit's co-founders and uh, one of my buddies. <laughs> I've sat down with her so many times over the last few months, and I'm so inspired by both her tenacity as an entrepreneur and also her true passion of making the best clothing possible to help women feel powerful in their bodies. It's the little details in each piece. Like I'm talking ideal fitting phone pockets and strategically located zippers. No detail is too small. Now I am so amped to be able to give you 15% off your first order to try Bandit out. And if you know Bandit, then you know that they don't do offers frequently. So this is totally something you wanna take advantage of. All you've got to do is use code HURDLE15 at checkout and you're good to go. Bandit also has free shipping on orders over $100. And if you're in the New York area, they just opened a store in Greenpoint. Again, head on over to banditrunning.com. Use the code HURDLE15 at checkout to get 15% off your order today. And I think that word, the awareness, is really just so important because it isn't until someone maybe brings something to someone else's attention that they can even begin to understand how it feels to be the other. I shared this example at uh, the panel event, but I was going to be biking uptown to support a friend that was running an ultra marathon. And he was going to start running at, I believe, like 6.45 or 7 a.m., which meant that I had to leave where I live in Brooklyn around 5.50. And a friend of mine, a male, and I were going to bike up together, but we were going to meet up in between our homes. And he suggested, how about on the Manhattan side of the Williamsburg Bridge? For those that aren't familiar with New York, that would have required me to bike over a bridge alone at 5.50 in the morning in the dark. And I said to him, I was like, I want to bike up with you and I, I need to bike up with you because I actually don't feel safe doing that on my own. And it was something that no shade to him, but it's just not something he thinks about as a man. And so it's bringing this awareness, talking about the things that we do right now to feel safe things that maybe others who aren't in the position that I'm in or you're in um, haven't really had to think about before. And there's no like, there's no shade in that. It's genuinely just 
this is what I go through and I want you to understand what I go through so that we can make better decisions together moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I also appreciate you bringing up like some of those like loose maybe tools that we have within our toolbox, the birdie, carrying mace, uh, running with friends, knowing your route, being able to turn on something like a beacon or the Garmin live track so that people can keep up with you while you're on your run. Like all of these things, I'm sure no one listening to this, like that's the first time you've heard of them. But again, there are so many people that don't think about those tools when they are gearing up to lace up and get out, like we mentioned, our friend whose nickname is Coffee going out and running at midnight. Yeah. Oh, midnight. <laughs> I know. <sighs> but, and you know, honestly, even for like thinking about Coffee too, like even for him, it's not even necessarily safe to be going out running at midnight. And so, and that's the other thing it's like, this is, it's not just a women's issue. This is an issue for like, all of our counterparts who are BIPOC. Um, it's an issue. It's a huge issue for LGBTQ plus folks um, in particular. I think there were even more stats that I saw when we were really creating the With Women We Run initiative around just how LGBTQ plus counterparts are really at like the highest risk of being attacked. Um, and so you know, I think this is like a starting point, right? Is And we're coming to it as women, um, as white women. So we're coming to it from our lens. Um, so even like there's stuff that we need to learn by listening to others who are different from us. Um, so I think really, you know, like we said, starting the conversation, it's hard. Like it's not a comfortable conversation. It doesn't feel great because like, we don't have all the answers. Um, but like starting the conversation is super important. Yeah. Yeah. And and something else that we spoke about at the event, which I heard after had a pretty big effect, was the idea of the different groups that we can have within our community for communication to encourage safety between amongst one another, right? So uh, there is a group that uh, is in Brooklyn and they have a WhatsApp group that members can come in and chime in and say, hey, I'm thinking about going running at this time. Like, is anyone around? Does anyone want to join? And of course, like all of the individuals within the group, they know each other. So there's like some comfortability there. But upon sharing that at our event, I ran into two women that belong to a different group that runs out of Manhattan and they said, oh, we actually created a WhatsApp group after that and it's been super helpful, right? Just so that people know that if you want to get out that you don't necessarily need to run alone. And that like it seems so small, but it can make such a major difference, right? And I even think it's like the access to that. It's the it's not having a stigma around about the fact that you want to run with somebody else and someone's like, you can't just go for a run. You know, there's there's no uh, input from other people in the club saying like, oh, here's Emily asking again to see if anybody's around for a run. Like, no, like you're her teammate. Mm -hmm. So like if you're around for a run, then say you're around for a run. And if you're not, there's nothing to say about the fact that this person's just trying to be safe in their execution. Yeah. Which I think is challenging. Yeah, it is. I, I love that 
people immediately coming out of that conversation were like, oh, let's try it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that openness um, to there are some other things we can do. Um, and we know it's an issue. I, I love that. Um, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but immediately after um, the Eliza Fletcher tragedy, you know, I brought it up to one of my uh, colleagues and not uh, not specifically like on the Adidas runners leadership team, but someone who also runs. And they were the first thing they said was like, why was she out at 4 a.m.? And, you know, I immediately was just like, ah, like I like had all these things I wanted to say. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, you know, there was that immediate judgment of like, well, and, and I think we get that, too, which is like, well, what was she wearing? Why was she? why was she wearing that? Why was she out at this time? Why was she alone? Why did she choose that route? Um, and I, I think, I mean, obviously like we know the answers to those things. She's a teacher. She's a mother. Like right. it makes sense. Like we get it. Um, like I think a lot of women were like, of course that's when she would run so she could get up then and, you know, take care of her kids and go to work. Um, but yeah, like even like bringing that level of awareness to, um, other runners who like don't th- it's not a concern of theirs like or they're they're not even thinking this is an issue um, and there are so many things like that I think one thing that was interesting after our panel discussion a lot of people reached out to me after that like immediately um, folks that I don't know that well um, who either were very thankful that the conversation was starting or who felt like there was so much more that we need to talk about. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Right. To be honest. Yeah. Was there like a prompting in the other things that we should be talking about? Yeah. I'm and this one kind of hits home for me, but a couple of people were like, we need to talk about our groups being safe. Mm-hmm. Um, our groups feeling like a safe space where women are not being sexually harassed um, or or worse. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, we were talking so much about, you know, strain the idea of strangers um, being a danger. But like, what about the people around you? What about the people that are close to you? Um, right. And how do we deal with that? Yeah, I don't have the specific statistic, but I know that you're more likely to be harassed by someone that you do know than someone that you don't. Um, And that is just so heartbreaking because for so many, myself included, I often think of the run community as an outlet, as a safe space. But uh, you never know. You never know what could happen. And so it's difficult and like frustrating and heartbreaking to an extent to think about that place that often we look to for community being a place that also could be troublesome or even triggering for some. Now, when you say the concept of we need to be more um, maybe supportive or inclusive within our groups, I know that that also extends, and this is a conversation we had on that evening about uh, even pace inclusivity, right? Because oftentimes many people are hesitant to show up to different running groups because they're scared of being, quote unquote, the slowest, being left behind, and no one wants to be left behind. And perhaps I would argue more often than not that the people that feel that way are women. Mm -hmm. So when we say pace inclusivity, uh, what 
do you, what does that mean to you? How can we be more conscious of making sure that everyone within the group is safe and accounted for? Yeah, that's a great, I mean, that's so interesting because I'm, it's making me think about lots of like early running experiences I had where, especially if you're new, you might be one of the slowest people or you might be one of the less fit people because that's kind of a common experience. If you're new to a group, like you may not have built up the fitness base, you might not have years under your belts, et cetera. So I can recall like plenty of times being the last one in a group, even getting lost um, and kind of just being like, Ugh, you know, good thing I know my way around like a little bit. It does tend to I mean, there's lots of different reasons why maybe the men, maybe men who are slower don't approach groups because they feel the same way, you know, and like, I don't know, I'm sure there have been plenty of times there are men in our groups that show up in there in the back as well. But it does tend to skew women yeah. um, from what I've seen. And that does, it can become a safety issue from a a physical standpoint of getting lost or getting left behind. And so, yeah, thinking about that within our groups, like who is looking after the back of the group? And Mm -hmm. I, I can think of some actually... Power Malu stands out, obviously, as like a really incredible figure in the running community um, who's if you ever ran with him, he's super caring and he will always be in the back. He's literally like making sure no one gets left behind. Um, And I appreciate folks like that who kind of set aside their own maybe running goals for the the greater good of other people. Um, so I love that. I love that groups have spaces like that, or they think about putting people into leadership positions that are also helping out beginners or people who are slower in the back. Speaking of people in leadership positions, this also brings us to that important conversation about groups having both male and female leadership, right? Making sure that individuals feel comfortable speaking to whomever they may choose to speak to about how they feel in the group, their safety in the group, and things like that. So why would you say that that is also important to have genders represented at the group leadership level? Diversity in representation and leadership is important for many reasons. One of those reasons being that you have that person to say or challenge, hey, you just said we should do it like this, but also what about this? So there, there's an alternate um, perspective that's brought to the table when you're even just planning something like a run. Um, so, so already there's that. There's someone else thinking about others um, versus there being one, maybe one viewpoint or one perspective. In particular, also having women in leadership, I've witnessed it bring more women into a group because they see a woman leading and they're like, okay, so someone might be looking out for my interests or this might be a safe space. Um, I think it sort of indicates even just from appearances, this could potentially be a safe space to join. And then like you were saying, having someone else who could potentially be a listening ear um, if something was going on, if something was happening. 
And that might not always be the the coach or the leader. It might be a pacer or it might be a community member who's been there forever and people confide in them and they feel comfortable to share what's going on. Um, I know within the groups that I've led, there's always eyes and ears that like sort of know what's going on that will know way before the coach or the captain knows. Um, and so creating a space where they feel safe enough to bring that to you and that you could come up with a solution for what happened, I think is super important. Yeah, it is super important. And this takes me to or or makes me think of uh, kind of going back to that residual frustration that was echoed across the room, this concept that we're still having these conversations I don't know what to do next. And I think the best thing to do is really just start, like just start having conversations like this one with people that you care about, with fellow runners, and then take any sort of action that you can to make yourself feel at least 1% safer when you head out there, right? So for me, last week I went to my, I go to a all women's strength class once a week. And I love that space. And literally the coach bought us all pepper spray to have. A, it like my heart feels some kind of way that like that's the thing that we were distributing at our women's Mm. strength class. But I feel thankful not only that now I obviously have this tool at my disposal if I should need it, but also like a space to air out how I feel about my frustrations within this group of female runners who are making time and it a priority to strength train also, which is something that I haven't typically done in the past. (laughs) You know, the action item is like, how can you make yourself feel 1% safer because of all those reasons that you articulated at the top of how running made you feel, right? Like all of those reasons are why we keep running. Right. I keep running because I want to feel capable. I want to be reminded of my own potential. I want to be able to de-stress about my day. And that is why despite this, these tragedies happening every so often, unfortunately, like we keep lacing up, right? So I owe it to myself. If I want to keep doing the thing that I love so much, that makes me feel some kind of way to have these talks and think about what I can do to get 1% safer. Um, What would you say is something that someone listening to this could do to head in that direction? Yeah. I mean, as the community person, I'm (laughs) always going to push finding a buddy. Yeah. And you'll find buddies in the unexpected places. I've had people become my running buddies um, who never thought they would want to ever run in their life. Um, And there were different reasons why we got together and did it. Um, One in particular, I'm thinking about my friend Anna. And I was like, she wanted to get coffee in the morning before work. This is years ago. And I was like, cool, we will. Um, But we have to jog like two. We have to jog two miles and then we'll get coffee and a bagel. And she was like, okay, I could do that. Um, And it became a thing. It turned into a whole group like of folks. And we used coffee and bagels and donuts and whatever at the end. But it really became this like camaraderie of folks getting together um, just to move. And 
definitely like, can you enlist someone, right? Like to be your accountability partner, um, to be that person that you're like, hey, I'm going out for a run. Maybe you meet me like part of the way. And then we text each other when we leave and we text each other when we get back. Um, like it doesn't always have to be that you run everything together, right? Um, maybe you find a group that feels comfortable for you to join. And there's so many different groups, at least here in, in New York, we're, it's, it's a luxury. Outside of New York, it's not like that. I know there's plenty of friends of mine and people who live elsewhere where there's like one run club in the whole city. Right. Um, so that's tough, right? And so I think... You know, if you can find a buddy and that they somehow are your partner, that's great. Um, if not, then it it does become those things where you're like, all right, when are the safe times for me to be out? What are the safe places that I feel comfortable in? You know, I'm going to Austin for the holidays and I like to run when I'm there. And I actually find that it's a little bit harder to find running routes there even though people are like there's such a big running city yeah. I'm like but where um but ladybird lake is one place i'll go run because i know that it's all runners there like people are running walking and i know when they're going to be there and mm -hmm. so i plan i'm like okay i've got this amount of distance i'm gonna do if i have to loop it i loop it but i just stay in the most populated area i go during daylight hours I plan my day around it. Um, and I do that because it's a priority for me. And I understand like everyone doesn't have that luxury, but those would just be like a couple of tips. But yeah. I feel like there's so many things we could do. Yeah. And I think that that one of knowing your root, like really at its foundation is just so important, right? Like just so important to know where you're going and have an awareness around you for sure. I'm like sitting here chuckling a little bit, not because of our conversation, but literally for the last, I think, 41 minutes for a better part of it, there's been like sirens outside. And I feel like it's like oddly fitting for right. the for the topic. So apologies to anyone who has been hearing those as we record. Um, I'm I'm glad that we were able to like sit down and, and jam a little bit about this and and to, you know, your point and, and what's been said so many times throughout this episode is like, really, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And the best thing that we can do is continue to have conversations like this. I know that I will be hosting some sort of a large format conversation on safety during LA Marathon weekend. So stay tuned for that if you're out in that area or plan on running. Jesse, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give us some information. Can they run with you IRL? Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, I'm Jesse Zappo on Twitter and Instagram, more active on Instagram. Um, probably the easiest way to find me is also at girls run NYC. We do a weekly workout on Wednesdays at six. Um, Where do you currently do that? McCarran track. Um, which also, that was another thing. We created Girls Run as a women's specific space. Um, and we made it on the track so that no one would ever get lost or ever get left behind. Smart. So that was our like pace inclusive um, strategy. And um, yeah, I mean, you can find us on Instagram. We always post, if we're taking a day off, we usually post it there. But we're once a week. Um, and obviously like you know, for folks who aren't in New York City, um, sometimes just following along and seeing what other people are doing um, can 
make you feel like you're a part of something bigger. So yeah, keep I'm up. active, follow along. Keep up. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Bye.